Hey, this is David Reed Watson. And Kat Critter. And we're right here on Rock the Talk, a.k.a. Walk Your Talk. Join us every week for some great music. And some inspiring conversations. Yes, we look forward to entertaining you. Find us on Facebook at Rock the Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of Rock the Talk. This week we have Lance King. He's a world-renowned in the underground as the voice in metal, singing on over 25 worldwide releases over the last 21 years, known best for his voice on five albums with the band Pyramids and Balance of Power. What is it truly special about Lance is his ability to morph his voice to fit any mood and intensity of a song. We, uh, Kat and I, had a conversation with him and it was amazing what an amazing spiritual cat and also an amazing singer we look forward to this conversation right now we're going to play you a little bit of music and then we'll get back to the interview
make secret these words and seal up the book until the time of the end.
Was there a single one able to open the scroll or look into it? And as for you men of vision, everything will become like the words of the book that has been sealed up. We just heard Book of Secrets by Balance of Power. That was uh, Lance King's 1998 debut. That's pretty good with a Reaching London back. Band. My God, I think of my debuts. <laughs> he, he just totally destroyed anything I've ever done. So I'm never going to play any of my music ever again. Thank you, Lance. <laughs> Lance is awesome. <laughs> Before that, we heard Dragon Force with the song Remembrance Day. For you people in America, Remembrance Day is the same thing, pretty much the same thing as Veterans Day here. And uh, G. Anzalone, the drummer for Dragon Force, who's actually playing on the album, used to be in my band, Kill Ritual, prior to me being in the band. So he took off when Dragon Force called up. I remember his conversation with Steven, the guitar player of Kill Ritual, saying, hey, man, I, I got this opportunity to sing, uh, to uh, play drums for Dragon Force. And Steven's like, why are you here? Leave, go, get out of here. So G left, G's Italian. He left, uh, he ended up leaving California and going back to, because Dragon Force is out of, out of the UK. Went back there, and the rest is history. Now, up until COVID, they were touring incessantly. They were on the road constantly. Before that, we heard Sanctuary with The Year the Sun Died. Another quick story about Sanctuary. I went on tour with them with Kill Ritual. And right before we headed out on tour, rest in peace, World Dane passed away. So, you know, Sanctuary was going to cancel going on tour with us in Ice Earth and we had to find another band. Um, fortunately, Joseph Michael stepped in place and took over the vocals and Sanctuary ended up going on tour. And what was great about the about this tour, it kind of unofficially became um, the World Dane Memorial Tour. Um, we had people coming on our tour bus and they would leave pictures of them with Worrell and it was it was very nice. It was very nice. And it was very good for Sanctuary to get Joseph Michael because they ended up doing an album afterwards with Joseph. And I think they're still going strong. Love you, Lenny. It's been a long time since we talked, so we'll make sure we talk again. We got Lance King on the line. Let's put him on and talk to the man. Welcome to Rock to Talk. This is David Reed Watson and Kat Krita. I said your name for you. Thank you. Just in case you forgot. And we have Lance King. Right here in the studio with us, virtually, of course. We don't want to. We don't want to get COVID. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm I'm doing virtual. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, let's talk. Let's talk here, uh, Lance. You are a man of music and a man of spirit, heart, and soul. Let's start with the music. Okay. Let's um. T- Tell me how you got started. Wow. That is a really long story. (laughs) Uh, Music 
I grew up during a really, really cool renaissance period of time, I think, um, 60s, 70s, 80s. And the music changed so much during those decades, but um, there was great music in all of them. Uh, and it, it evolved a lot in a short period of time, I think. Um, so I had a lot of influences that, and music just, I don't know, made me want to sing. How made old were you? Sing. Uh, well, I was born a long time ago. <laughs> I was born in 62. So I guess, uh, I was a child during the sixties. Um, and I grew up during the seventies and I was a young man in the eighties. Okay. That sums it up. Okay. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, so, what was the age that you said, damn, I love music. I want to do that. You know, I, it was kind of fun. I, I'd always be singing in the car when we were cruising around as teenagers. And a friend of mine just said, hey, you know, you should sing for my band. And I said, okay, let's give it a shot. <laughs> and and uh, then I was hooked. Um, I kind of sucked at it at the time, honestly. Mm. I had a very limited range. Um, and they wanted to do stuff that I had never really listened to. You know, I was into more of the progressive and melodic rock stuff. Like at the time it was Journey Boston, Kansas, um, uh, Rush, um, Pink Floyd, you know, that, that kind of stuff I was listening to. I was really into Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles and, you know, Cheap Trick and all that kind of stuff that, you know, you could go on and on and on because there were so many great bands. Yeah. ACDC, you know, back in black was so good back then. And still, it's still good. It's still held up. Um, yes. Tom Petty had a great album that I was really into back then, like Damn the Torpedoes. That was Sticks. an amazing album. Yeah, okay. and I was I was a huge Sticks fan. Love Sticks. Um, wow, what else? I think those were like my my largest bands of that time frame that that he asked me, and and he was into things you know like Steely Dan and and uh more things along that line and and then we got in with a couple of guitar players that were totally about kiss <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like i don't know this music but all right <laughs> you know can you sing it with a little more attitude they said and i'm like oh what is that you know yeah, yeah what's attitude get me some right? face paint <laughs> right what is that um so yeah, I don't know. It was uh, that. That's how it started, and uh, that was in like '79. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you know, I graduated, and it's been, I guess, the, the year I graduated. Like, I remember the Cars album that I was really into. You know, 
the police, yeah, the police and Billy Squire and Billy Thorpe and a whole bunch of other bands that just you know blew my mind at that time. Billy Thorpe, that, that was Children of the Sun. Children of the Sun, yeah, yeah, yeah. great album, freaking great album. Yeah, and then Montrose, you know, Sammy's first thing that was pretty epic too yeah it seems like we look back now i mean you what you, you graduated in 1980 right 81. 81 yeah okay i graduated in 81 as well so there are some great bands out there i really have to uh, look for them you know but not in the epic proportions that we had when we were kids well i think yeah the gatekeepers and the labels were doing a pretty good job of finding the best of the best you know and and mm-hmm. then we would there, at the time, there was only about 80, you know, hard rock albums a year being released, maybe. And uh, now we got about 800 or 8,000. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's pretty hard to weed through it all to find the golden nuggets like, mm-hmm. you know, the gatekeepers used to do. Because anybody can release an album on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty it's, much. It's very difficult to find a lot of these. Uh, you know, I, the kids at work, I call them kids, they're in their, you know, 30s. But they, uh, you know, they, they've they turned me on to quite a bit of new music. Like, uh, there's a band from Boston um, that's called Elder. And I'd never heard of them. They've been around for 10 years. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the Weed Peckers. Oh, and the Weed Peckers, too. Weed Peckers... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a silly name, but they're a great freaking band. You know, all these bands I never heard of. And uh, you're, you're right. The gatekeepers kind of kept that in check and uh, introducing us. I, so I I don't it know. It was easier to find a, a band via word of mouth back then, I think, because, you know, if a friend bought a different album than you bought, you know, and they would they tell you about it if it was great, you know, and then so right. you go over and you you dub as cassette of, of the LP, you know. I had so many dub cassettes. I uh, you know, which is basically like streaming or you know downloading of today. I I uh, I copied all my music and then I became a guy that had a record label. <laughs> And I gave back later, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Good for you. Talk about uh, talk a little bit about your label. All right. And what do you want to know? <laughs> well, I mean, in this environment now, it's how how do you operate? How that is. It's a very good question. Uh, it becomes a daily grind of trying to be creative in marketing um, and every day when you you constantly have to keep releasing new music Um, and music becomes uh, so flavor of the day and and everybody's all about the new that literally even a fantastic album has a pretty short shelf life it seems that where you know unless you find a band and you get lucky with a band that is um always out there touring, always releasing amazing material all the time, and it actually is building up more of a fan base. Right. Um, otherwise, it's really, really, really difficult to, to do anything with uh, any kind of numbers. 
uh, doesn't matter how quality the tunes are the uh, the momentum of an artist is really important um, and it, you know all the magic has to be there for a band to really succeed these days I think so that it, in a way it's uh, well we don't have any more developmental deals so the right. basic basically you have to hone your craft in your basement and right come perfectionists and right you, and you have to understand what what really it it falls on the artist to be uh the creative obviously but but a lot of times what happens is is the artist is is so into their own head that they forget um i know i'm very capable of getting to in my head uh it, and forget about making sure that the song is connecting to people you know what i mean on on other levels musical levels as well as lyrical levels melody levels mm-hmm. you know everything um you got to remember that you know you, you have to make the stuff somewhat accessible if you want lots of people to dig it and that comes down to just people vibing on it how they feel when they listen to it i think you know and and good producers know how to bring that out in bands and and capture and go oh that was the performance not what you like <laughs> that was the one <laughs> you know what i mean and uh it's yeah so we have less i i think we have more a lot more music obviously but we have a lot less of it really connecting so on that point uh without giving any way any of your trade secrets but what would it take for a young band to get out there and self promote themselves because right now putting it on spotify it'll get lost in the in the shuffle put it on youtube it'll get lost and uh, do we have to in go my, back to it? I wish I, I wish I had a, uh, a crystal ball to be able to tell you because it changes every day. Um, but I think the single most important thing for artists to realize is that it's evolving every day, and you have to know you have to know how to market. You have to go to school. to learn the market. You have to actually like I mean I thought I had this figured out after so many years of doing this, right? And um I ran into uh well I, there was a young woman uh, her name's Leah uh McHenry and Leah McHenry released a solo CD maybe I don't know 8 years ago. Um and I picked it up and I did indie distro for her, moved some units for her, um and it was kind of a nice it was your typical first indie release it was really well done but nobody really got it no not many people knew about it she had about 3000 facebook friends right but fast forward 4 or 5 years and i just was checking her her uh, facebook account she had like 350,000 huh. facebook fans and i'm like what the hell is this girl doing um 
go back in and see what she's doing with her videos and what she's doing with her marketing and that she'd started the Savvy Musicians Academy and was teaching people how to get attention and move her music. She routinely sells six figures every year of her own music mm -hmm. independently. She started a candle company that supports her brand of her style of music, which is a Celtic uh, metal kind of thing. I've, I've heard got, of her. I've heard yeah. Of her. yeah. And she sells six figures in freaking candles now. She has this marketing thing down. She does a crowdfunding and she, she'll do easily almost 100K crowdfunding her new album. It's nuts. So anyway, anyone that wants to know how to start to work within the new music system mm -hmm. um, should check out uh, her academy, Savvy Musicians Academy, and, uh, and check out some of her programs. You don't have to buy into the whole thing. You can try little pieces of it, but She's brilliant and she surrounds herself with really, really smart people that are also doing the same things and they talk and they constantly have new ideas and she has a podcast. She gives this stuff away free on a regular basis. You don't have to buy into the academy to actually learn from her. Um, so yeah, and I think it's an apple. Uh, podcast, um, Apple Music Podcasts. Sounds like a win-win iTunes podcast. But yeah, so she, she's, she's a smart young lady, and you know she's not going to go out and tour because she has six young children that she's bringing up. She's a full-time stay-at-home mom that actually is uh, homeschooling all of her kids wow. before COVID before COVID and she is still doing this and being the successful it's, I don't know how she does it honestly, but I'm, I'm amazed and, and proud to, uh, to tell people to check her, her stuff out because she's brilliant and she's really good as a musician and a vocalist as well. We had, we had used her system, uh, with my last band, uh, kill ritual. And I think we brought our numbers up, on Facebook pretty high mm -hmm. um, I don't know where it's gone from there but I mean we it did it, it did work in a way because we ended up doing a tour with Ice Earth and Sanctuary so it kind of there you go it, it brought the attention to like right. hey, yeah. well the numbers yeah and the numbers it's it's a uh, that's social validation right it's yeah. it, especially if they're not just dead numbers they're numbers of people that are interested in what you're doing you right. know, because she teaches you how to key in and find those individuals yep. that uh, are into what you're doing and how to identify your brand in various different ways that you can draw from not just metal fans that's so broad, but you can target in on much more subgroups of people that um, are more niche marketed, you know, that, so yeah. That is super important for an independent musician. And honestly, the more I learned about it, the more personally I, I became struggling with 
that aspects of using Facebook algorithms to target my my fan possible mm. fans and things because for me uh, I also have a spiritual side that is is been growing exponentially I'm a fifth degree black belt in martial arts um, I'm working on becoming a Reiki master I'm you know I've had all kinds of different things going on in my life mm-hmm. I grew up in that kind of an environment and yet I've been I guess a pseudo capitalist for a long time I like I like capitalism I like making money but I've never striven to or strove to to make a lot of money just enough money to do what I need to do or Mm-hmm. to help people that are musicians or to help myself survive as, as a musician. And that has always been enough. Um, so I guess I probably should have <laughs> made it more of a priority. Um, it, it makes life easier to have more money for sure. And to sell mm-hmm. higher numbers and to be able to, you know, for, a, especially for a band to sell higher numbers so that you can get the opportunities to tour, mm-hmm. you know, and, and be in front of more numbers of people and, and have it continuously grow. Right. So all of that is super important. And now I find myself at this juncture of my life being in a position where that's not really important to me <laughs> what's important mm-hmm. to me is getting a, a certain message out that people can and and creating music that I, I think is uh, spiritually um, connective and uh, yeah right I, you know it, it's a really strange dichotomy to find yourself in because They, they kind of don't really balance well together. <laughs> they, you know what I mean? They don't, unless you hit like the Christian market, you know? Like right. My, my buddy Oz from Striper, they, right. they're, they're huge in the Christian market. And- right. And I did that for a while. And, uh, and I was with a band called Balance of Power. Uh, we did, they were a British band and we released, uh, well, I was with them through their fourth album. Um, I came on board on their second, and we did a, an album called Book of Secrets, which was based uh, on Michael Drosnan's Bible code thing, you know, his decoding of the Bible. And, and mm-hmm. we, you know, and then we we had these, we had guys from all, so, you know, spiritual spectrums. We had a guy who was married to a Tibetan who was more along that lines. We had some, uh, guys in the band like myself who who straddled um, new age and Christian beliefs uh, mm-hmm. at different points in time and then we had Jehovah Witnesses in the band and oh, wow. it was really an interesting smattering of things but the Christian uh, population seemed to really enjoy it because it had a real positive message and that, that went in line and didn't have anything that you know, was negative about it. And that sort of followed me into the band Pyramids when I did Pyramids, first couple albums. And, uh, you know, we did a, an album, uh, it's called Legend of the Bone Carver, which had a character in it. It was more like a, 
a, a fluid storyline um, concept album that was about this strange creature that was born and grows up and he can re revive the dead and, mm. it, and the idea is that he he revives the dead only because in a time of chaos when the world is being overtaken by evil and then so he's reviving old warriors so that they can fight the battle of good again against the evil that's you know rising up and taking over the world so it was an interesting kind of spiritual album in that context it, it wasn't it was more like danish folklore honestly mm -hmm. but because the band was based in denmark and uh, i was like one of two americans in the band but, um but it was really as epic freaking romp of blending more celtic and progressive power metal stuff all together in these elements and people really dug it because a lot of the guys were exceptionally talented and band and made some great music i like the name pyramids yeah that's okay. yeah you look it up i think you dig the tunes david all right yeah, yeah the okay. first couple albums were uh, melancholy beast and legend of the bone carver and then uh matt barlow sang on the next album um, oh, Matt. He's yeah, good. he did the next one, which was, uh, I don't know, what was the next album? Immortal, what the next album was. And then they got another singer and uh, they put out three albums since. So I, I was, my tenure ended in 2007 with them. Ah. But uh, yeah, they've, uh, they've done quite well in fact they just dropped a new album that is really good that matt and i also contributed a little bit of vocal work on their 10th track too i got i got to meet matt um matt's good people he's a cop yeah yeah he's yeah. a great guy he's really great super super present yes um, he uh he notices everything <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he hopped on stage with Stu Block because uh, Stu Block is singing for Iced Earth now. And, yeah, and Stu's great. Yeah, unbelievable voice. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> he uh, yeah, he's phenomenal. He's he slept a lot. Remember, he, he slept a lot on the tour bus, and then he, but then he would come out and explode on stage. And, and yeah, uh, but Matt hopped on stage with him when we were in um, Baltimore because Matt's a Baltimore cop and it was really good to hear him because uh, you he, know I, I was the man can really belt like, he's got a big voice oh my god I love it <laughs> love it yeah he's got he, he's, he reminds me of Hetfield but better <laughs> yeah a good Hetfield yeah right sorry James Got a big voice. Yeah. Well, that's what power metal needs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matt kind of barks. He barks it out. You know, he just... Yes. <laughs> yes. So that was fun. That was a fun night for sure. And yeah. So the spirituality thing. So you said you are level two Reiki? I am. Yeah. My mom's a Reiki master and has, uh, 
she actually sent me the lineage of, of the Reiki that we do not too long ago because I was curious because uh -huh. people were talking about Reiki and some of the empath groups that I follow on, on Facebook and, mm -hmm. and they were, you know, because empaths are really drawn to Reiki for obvious reasons because we're so sensitive emotionally on a lot of levels um sensitive spiritually guy. Yeah. what's that sensitive ponytail guy yeah right and and, <laughs> well, and women a lot of women are empaths you know um seems lots more than than men um but I forgot where the train of oh, the lineage, the that. lineage, the lineage. Right. I need to look that up here because I, uh, she had told me, obviously it was part of my training to know the lineage of, of what I was learning, but I forgot the terminologies, you know, and okay, the, so it's name, not the specific names and I, okay. So it's Usai Shiki Roho. Okay. Usai Shiki Roho. Okay. The original traditional Reiki. Okay. So Usai was the first person to find it in the, uh, the Tibetan monk. Um, what do they call those? Where they, they store all of their their teachings on the scrolls, I guess. Okay. In, in uh, the t Tibetan mountains. And, and Usai... He had originally, he was, as I recall, was a uh, a Japanese Christian monk who had done a lot of research trying to look for the healing techniques of Jesus within the Bible. Mm -hmm. And he was not able to discern anything in those texts. So he went on more of a quest and, and started going to monasteries around the world. And uh, he found what he thought was the closest thing to it in in the uh, the Tibetan monasteries that he was visiting, and the symbols and you know that unlocked the energy, and it was a very interesting story. Cat and I are both. You guys are both Reiki masters, so you can probably give me a little more history on that. No, actually. you you said it very well, and that okay. he's he's the guy. Um, and what we found, what I found, <laughs> I used to live in Las Vegas, and I used to buy and sell um, storage units. Right, go into a storage unit and just right. see if you could find something. And one day, I, I bought this storage un unit for a hundred bucks. And in it were a bunch of crystals uh -huh. and this whole book on Reiki, which um, I, had, I was already a Reiki master by then, but I found this book and I never really touched it again. I was like, oh, this is a cool old book. And Kat devoured it. <laughs> yeah, she, I did. Uh, it was, uh, what, what year was that? 19... 60 something yeah it was it was it's old. an old book uh, you know it was but written in the old which, type typewriter which which um so it was like a it, it wasn't a reprinted book it was actually a handwritten book or a typed no, up it was, book it was a typed up manuscript ah wow cool yeah um, and who who had written the manuscript well let me i'm gonna let you talk to cat i'm gonna run into the other room hang on a sec all right
Yeah. So, so being a Reiki master, I, I wanted to try and experience some of the other disciplines. And so I'm, I'm going to be taking a class here soon. Uh, there's an elements, like an elemental and an archangel. Um, so I'm going to be trying to add to my, you know, toolbox and see what, see what those different kind of disciplines bring to the healing practice. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. The American Reiki master association. Uh, Dr. Arthur L. Roberts Robertson. Yeah, this is Copyright. Oh yes, old. But it's but there's stuff in here you can see here. Um, there's some really old stuff in here. Yeah. So in it, with it came this plastic unit that is. Um, you could probably describe it better because you read everything about it. Yeah. Um, uh, Boy, let's see what is that but it's got a symbol on it and it was energized it's a master frequency symbol yeah oh very interesting and they say to leave it underneath your bed and so i sleep on it every night yes. it's in between the mattresses huh. right <laughs> it, so it's, it's a master symbol printed on what on it's just think of like a a CD, you know, mm-hmm. the plastic case CD, only it has screws in it. Like you can't open it. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. it's not, and it's so, not a CD because this is 1983. Right. So this is a symbol that was, I assume, hand painted onto this, right? Uh, or, it's not really painted. It's not painted. I, th- I think it was, it's like a sticker. Of almost this symbol. It's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a swastika. Almost, a almost, but you it's know. like a, it's like the three dimensional uh, vision of a square from all different angles. It's okay, called, it's called the Anta Anta Karana. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. So this is a master frequency symbol. Yes. Which frequency is it? Do you know? Uh, the master frequency symbol, the Anta Karana, a high intensity production of nano ray energy for use in cellular regeneration and toxic remission capability. Ha! Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty heavy. <laughs> it is lying upon the master frequency symbols for three minutes will reverse body magnetic poles and body polarity permanently reversing body magnetics and polarity results in one becoming a channel for natural healing energies and chakra interesting so you can lay on this and become reiki attuned it sounds like so you you're actually getting an attunement from this master symbol is that how i'm i'm adhering that that way is that what you guys get from that I think it's more to deal with polarity than to do with uh, actually attuning you. Um, supercharges you. But it, yeah, it supercharges ah. you. And I can tell you that it works because I I made her a, a Reiki master uh, how long ago? A number of months ago? Mm-hmm. This girl in the middle of the night just wakes up giggling. And I'm like, what's going on? She goes, I just had this crazy epiphany and if she ha- <laughs> it happens all the time every night and she's a master manifester and <laughs> she's powerful I don't know. super powerful. nice that's awesome 
It's like she surpassed so, the teacher. <laughs> I, I would, I would very much uh, like a, a, an image of that, that uh, image, if possible, so that I can add it to my Reiki information. Yes, it's um. Well, uh, yeah, it goes and, in, and it, any information about that symbol also <laughs> with the image, if possible. <laughs> yeah, so that I'm not just. I don't yeah. know if you can see it or not. It's the center one. Okay. Yeah, I have seen that. But I don't think it was associated with Reiki when I've seen it. It seems more like an old Celtic symbol. It does seem like an old Celtic symbol. So this is uh, the people that put out this publication are the Omega Dawn Sanctuary of Healing Arts in St. Petersburg, Florida. Huh. Um. Yeah, so this manuscript right here was in this room. Looks a little like a triskelion almost, you know. Uh, the dragon? Yeah, a little bit, you know. the the. Well, a triskelion, there, there's lots of different versions of it, you know, mm-hmm. in Celtic lore. So, Oh, here it is right here. We can show it to you. For, yeah, this is, for people listening, from, sorry, you can't see it. <laughs> came from the Omega Dawn Sanctuary. Warning, do not attempt to dis, um, dismantle this frequency unit without um, D... Oh, degaussing. Degaussing with any electron capacitor as this will reduce or negate the energies it's it's uh, but it's intense don't, don't use it don't use a uh, a degausser for tape magnetization or exactly. demagnetization exactly interesting so uh, huh. i mean you can see the symbol inside of this that's yeah. interesting and that's huh. the front side of it wow so, honest to god i you know i just threw this in a drawer Right. I, I was like, what's this mumbo jumbo? I don't, man, eh, don't, whatever. And I hung on to it. And I, I think I got, I think I bought that storage unit in 2014. Something like somewhere around there. But she devoured this, this, this whole manuscript. And she's like, have you read this? And I go, no, I haven't. Well, I learned a few things uh, just digging through that, just that, um, that, you know, and, and we know this, you know, from spiritual work that our body is magnetic and electric, electric, you know, so um, you have to have this, you have to have the right balance, electrolyte balance and water balance in order for the current to actually move correctly so um so and and in this this manuscript it tells you the exact proportions that you need to consume of the different um trace minerals and compounds in order to have the flow to get the flow of the magnetic and the uh the electrical system in your body to to work with your chakras it's so that's that's really really cool because then you have more of a science-based aspect of what you're doing to charge each cell's ATP. You know what I mean? It's like giving you more, um, it's less mysterious than, you know, the martial arts chi or ki and Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and all of that sort of thing coming more into the, the new century of how we understand each cell stores energy. Interesting. Yeah. 
I mean, Brilliant. this this page I just pulled up right here, um, which again, Katz read this whole thing, but it talks about the body cell compared with the com- composition of the planet. Because I, I don't know if you've ever delved into the hermetic principles at all. A bit. Yeah. A her- bit, yeah. Her- as above, as, as below, above, so below, so below. So, I mean, everything is a microcosm of a macrocosm, and vice exactly, versa. right, so right. Our body, so, yeah. so our body cells are much like uh, perhaps the planets in a solar system, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you know, I, I liken a solar system kind of to a uh, a um, what an atom. You know, you've got you know the, the spinning the nucleus, uh, and the nucleus, and the protons and the neutrons, and they're spinning around and they're creating a magnetic pole, I guess, or a magnetic mm-hmm. charge, right? Mm-hmm. And we have that in our solar system as well. And so I always had always kind of theorized that all of those solar systems out there that uh, is more like God's body. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a the, good way to put it. The all is is God. We're all part of God in that aspect because we're all just a smaller version, so to speak. Of, of, some, of a As macro. Above, so below. Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so think of all of the cells that we have within us. There's right. a whole, whole universe within those cells. Exactly. Each exactly right, and and it's you think about that. If you think about what, well, and and they're learning more about like uh, the uh, our gut and the bi- the biome within our gut and the huge uh, community of of uh, vicarious beings that are cohabitating our body and have a conscience that, pl- that pl- have a conscience that actually play a huge role in our health based on what we eat and feed them. It's really strange, but the more you learn about it all, it's all symbiotic and we're all kind of part of this huge collective of things that affect one another. <laughs> yeah, not, not only Absolutely. what you consume food wise, but what you consume on the emotionally and intellectually and and yeah and energetically and right you know and as as reiki people we we know about energy we know mm-hmm. about our energetic field around us and we know that whatever that whatever energy we're creating is affecting the people within our proximity right uh, I know me as a musician, I, I try to get that across to people in a very simple way, not by talking about woo-woo stuff, right. but trying to get people to understand that what they're doing in their lives is affecting those around them. Right. And, it's, yeah. and I, right now, we're in the thick of it. <laughs> No shit. <laughs> we are so in the thick of it because we're, we've, I mean, without getting too politically polarized, you know, into a, that kind of a conversation, mm-hmm. there is obviously a huge 
agenda to create massive amounts of fear and in in our world and get people reacting in a fight or flight manner and we need to be the way showers to say it, it, those of us that can remain in a positive place mm-hmm. we need to diffuse that whenever we can and and some way shine a beacon on it to enlighten people so that they're not so reactive and they can be more intentional. Yes. Do you know what I mean? What was the, remember the movie we, we heard about? Um, well, we've seen it, but you, you talked about it, Monsters, Inc. Oh. Yeah. Where they just, um, you know, they fed on fear. Right. Yeah. You know, that was, yeah. that was the biggest thing. <laughs> Right. That's, that's how they it was spot. it's funny that that disney put out or whoever it was that put that out pixar um, i think it was pixar. yeah pixar which is i think now owned by disney but mm-hmm. but it's a truism right it's a, it's a truism mm-hmm. art imitates life life is imitating art whichever right. you want to look at it you know right. um but i think you're, we're all out there every day and we're exposed to the messages. I think you have to put aside a lot and just listen to the message. Is it a message of peace, truth, love? I mean, yeah. and gravitate towards the message because the messages... And it's really easy to get caught up. Yeah. It's really, really easy to get caught up in the negative spin. Um, I mean, I, I was brought up in a really loving environment by really, really spiritual people. And, and then I was unleashed on the world and I, I remained that way for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But then you meet people and you surround yourself with lots of people that can change that. And, and you know, and they have an effect on you on a regular basis the more you're around other people. Well, I was around those people for the first, you know, 18 years of my life. And then now I'm around all these other people. And <clears throat> I chose a fairly good group of people that were musicians that were making music but then you know you have subsets after that where you know you pair off with someone you get married and their stuff becomes your stuff you know in all kinds of ways not just physical stuff right, right. but their energy and their their thoughts and their uh, their past traumas and you know all that stuff becomes part of you when you're energetically interacting especially on a sexual level right um because you're you're merging (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you're energetically merging and yeah that's uh a lot of people don't realize with casual sex what that brings you know it brings a lot of uh, possible yuck (laughs) (laughs) like like i always say you got to be careful you know who you hit your cart to (laughs) right yeah for sure for sure and for kids out there like if there are any kids (laughs) listening you know i you know 
there's that old adage that opposites attract. But as we get older, we realize that yes, opposites do attract when you are unaware of yourself, you know? But because you're looking to grow and maybe there's some part of that person that, you know, um, you're going to learn from, obviously, right. or you want to assimilate some of their aspects that you look at as positive that are weaknesses within yourself. Yes. And I know that I was drawn to that um, on a big level. Mm -hmm. My wife and I are polar opposites in so many ways. And we've been together now for almost 20, 39 years. Wow. So I met her when I was 18, yeah, and we went out for 10 years and it even during the course of being a, a musician on the road, we managed to stay together and get married and uh, we've been married for 29 years, coming up on 30 years now. Wow. Next June, yeah, it's crazy. How, how do you do it? Dude, it's not been easy. <laughs> It's not been easy at all. I mean, long-term relationships, um, uh, while there's a lot of love and a lot of um, commitment and a lot of, um, well, I mean, there's a lot of growth. There has to be a lot of growth, especially when you're polar opposites, right? Mm -hmm. it, it forces you to deal with a lot of stuff that maybe you didn't really want to deal with and you've been trying to avoid, you know, my family never did very well with confrontation. We didn't put that on people. Mm -hmm. We, we were very loving and, and non-confrontational and we kind of tried to avoid arguments and bickering and you know all that negative shit well she came from a completely different family where everybody is right on top of each other mm -hmm. when there's an issue and they're dealing with it right so she likes to purge her emotions um in an angry way usually and i'm just like <laughs> took me a long time to be able to uh to realize that <clears throat> I don't have to ex experience it that way. I don't have to experience it in a manner that I am being deflect, you know, shields up, don't, can't, can't, don't do well with that frequency, right? right. Because I don't, I really don't do well with that frequency of anchor. Um, but now I can. Uh, I guess uh, alchemize it and diffuse it in a different manner and accept it for what it is and allow it to pass through me and keep on going. It's not going to affect me. And then she is diffused and we can have a conversation. You know what I mean? And we can actually, we can actually get to the problem and, but it's taken me a whole hell of a long time to get to that, mm -hmm. right? Because, well, probably because my upbringing, you know, and right. that it was always super positive and, and I, you know, anything to do with that that made you feel bad or uncomfortable, you avoided. Right, right. You know. Kind of becomes your greatest learning. <laughs> your greatest yeah. school is the school of how to live and interact and yeah right so it's been a, a i look at it as 
preparing me for what we're going through. I mean, I've been learning on the school in a in a classroom of of uh, hard lessons throughout my relationship um, to get to a place where now I can remain unaffected in a negative way by all the chaos going on around me because it's not in me. The chaos isn't in me. It's it's outside of me and so I can I can be an observer I can be the observer where I can watch it happening understand what's happening comment on it and try and affect it in a different way yes. does that make sense oh, brilliant yeah because yeah, yeah. usually when we try to uh, change something it's mirroring um, uh, uh, insecurity within ourselves right so so it's uh, it's good that you can step away from that and look. It's very hard to do, even even for people that it's incredibly difficult to get to that place. It's crazy difficult to get to that place, and which which you know has been a, an ongoing struggle for me. And and it was amped up the last five years with uh, taking in my mother in law into the home where she uh, she had dementia and I was mm. kind of her primary caregiver because my wife worked outside of the house and I worked inside of the house and I had you know a record company that I ran from my house and then I wasn't able to do that anymore which was very frustrating on my part you know mm. trying to focus for any length of time more than five minutes was impossible because I had to make sure that she wasn't getting into stuff or kind of fall down the stairs or walk out the front door and you know who knows, and all of which have happened at some point in some capacity not big capacities fortunately she hasn't fallen down the stairs mm-hmm. thank god but we were smart when we built um our home we we had children uh, they're grown now for the most part, but we had put gates on the stairs on the bottom and the top. We had a custom railing made. We had gates that we can padlock if we needed. And so we would put a bike lock on it so that grandma couldn't, couldn't go down the stairs Oh wow! because she's 97 years old with dementia now. And you know, stairs are not her friend, <laughs> you know, they're not her friend. And her balance is, you know, getting off and her muscle uh, density is down and her capacity, uh, well, her obsessions are are many and her anxieties are many. And so she's always thinking she has something she needs to do. Oh, yeah. But you know what, Lance? Think about this. You know, we take such tender good care of babies when they come into the world but right. how do we take care of old people and well and old I people are, gift, have a lot of programs that you gave right? her yeah yeah and young people are are uh, sponges of information they're learning at an exponential rate but what do you do with the older people that are declining in that capacity but have tons of information stored already from a lifetime within, you know and they have 
likes and dislikes and habits and, and anxieties and fears and, and concerns and responsibilities that they think they still have. And, you know, all these, these things. And of course they're older and they expect respect and that you treat them in a certain capacity when you really need to be treating them more like a child now. Right. which gets very challenging sometimes because you have to treat them like a child when they're doing childish things that they shouldn't be doing, mm. you know? Um, but there's that conflict of, you know, how do you deal with that? Uh, and, and then you just have to do it. You just have to say, okay, I, I can't treat her in the same capacity that I did at one point. I have to be nice about it but I have to redirect her. I have to physically redirect her sometimes, right? I have to mm -hmm. steer her to safety on a routine basis. <laughs> I, I think that people of that age, as opposed to our age, um, I think they had a lot of the same for many, many years. And, you know, I'm talking, well, she's 97, so 1923 right. until let's say 1980 it's that's a big chunk of time of normalcy let's say i mean yes mm -hmm. Vietnam and stuff like that but i think of us out of high school computers started coming in and right and then cell phones and right i, I, I can imagine somebody 97 years old just in 1980 even going i've done this is, right. I can't I can't keep up, you know. Um, yeah, where it's we you. we've been in uh, we've been in the um, keeping up mode, you know, uh, for a very uh, uh, less significant time, you know, uh, right. 1962s, 1963 till 1980s, only like 20 years. So right. we had like 20 years of pretty much normalcy, and then drastic changes all all right. along, you know. So it wasn't as hard for us, you know? We saw, <clears throat> I guess, the greatest renaissance of technology. I mean, they, although she did too. I mean, you think about this, 1923. Um, when, when did they create flight? When did, you know, they figured that out at Kitty Hawk. Um, I, I, not too much before that, if not around that time. So she came from, you know, her father had a, a horse-drawn uh, wagon that he delivered ice to people that, you know, put in their, their coolers in Chicago. True. You know, and horse, horses were the main source of transportation at the time and uh and then cars slowly came in because they were super expensive and and you know it was a big transition obviously <laughs> you know and, yeah. and she went from that into the age of flight and cars everywhere and uh and she never even learned to drive really Wow. Yeah. Super social person. But, you know, she wants to talk your ear off all the time and tell you the same stories over and over and over while everyone else around the, the, the table is looking at their phone. 
know what I mean? What is so interesting about that gadget? Uh, Every person (laughs) over 80 says that on a regular basis. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Shit, I say. Oh, hey, we're all addicted to our damn phones, and it's it's really, really become toxic to a point where we're so disconnected feeling like we're connected that I'm guilty of it. I'm really guilty of it. I'm on this damn thing all the time. Mm. It's crazy. And I'm to the point now where I'm realizing that that's not really what I want. (laughs) It's really not what I want. I want to be disconnected from social media. I want to start a freaking retreat somewhere in the woods like my parents did. You know, they created a commune that, that kind of floundered, but it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. 160 acres in the Canadian wilderness where I got to go grow up and build our own houses. You know, we grew our own food and we had a natural uh, creek that ran through the property that had beaver dams and little lakes that were stocked with trout. And, you know, we had deer and coyotes and Sounds unfortunate. It was, it was right in the, uh, uh, it was right in the Canadian Rockies and like 11 miles north of Cranbrook, BC, which is like 11,000 people. Wow. Not very many, not very m- many people in the area, which was really nice. All right, Lance, um, let's take a break. I want to hear more about that. But first, let's put a song on. Uh, give us the name of the song and tell us a little bit about it. Play a song. Oh, all right. Well, I didn't even think about any of that stuff. So I got to look at my playlist here and go, well, we're going to play something off my most recent album. Okay. What's the name of the song? Um, Why don't we play Technology? Okay, Technology. (laughs) That's that's very, very appropriate. And uh, tell us a little bit about the song. How did it, where did it come from? Uh, I guess it it was one of those just basic rock songs that... um, on the album, it's it's pretty straightforward in comparison to everything else on the album. The, uh, the rest of the album is a little more progressive and a little more technical. This one's a little more of a rocker. Um, and it, in truth, it reminded me, it was kind of like my Brian Adams song uh, of singing about yesterday and my experiences through my life and how technology has changed and how it's affected. And then posing a question at the end that makes you think, where are where is it going where are we going with it and what are we going to do with it and, and will that be ethical okay without further ado here's technology
Lance had talked about his band Pyramids that he went over to England and recorded with. That's from the album Legend of the Bone Carver, and the song was called Flame and Retribution. That's only in the Japanese release. Before that, we heard the song Reprogram, which is from his new upcoming album coming out. And uh, the first one that we heard was Technology, which you introduced, Kat. Yes. That was... uh, The guy's good. (laughs) He's really good. Amazing. Amazing singer, spiritualist. Um, So we're going to get back into the conversation with Lance here. It's... it's, uh, Do you find that songwriting um, is almost like your diary? Well, you know, with this new album, it it was very much like that for me. Um, I had, in previous years, I had really overthought everything. You know, I mean, the album that I did before this, I, I conceptualized in all kinds of ways and tried to put 10 pounds of, uh, shit in the two pound bag uh, more like a hundred pounds of shit in a two pound bag and you know there's a general understanding that can be had but it's pretty vague in a lot of ways right and it's it's a spiritual album kind of and i mean the premise of it is very much that this one <clears throat> i just sat down and started writing um and it, there was no real intent there was no real um, concept uh, or parameters that I was writing from like I had in the past. You know, I have a theme and, and this is what I'm going to write about and blah, blah, blah. This one I had just, uh, I'd had a close brush with death hmm. and uh, kind of had a renewed sense of purpose after it. I mean, I... I'm a martial artist and my knees are bad. I've had surgeries on my knees because meniscus tears and stuff. And I, I had had one and I got a blood clot in my leg. Didn't really know what it was. It just hurt like hell. And so I went in and I had it look bad. And they said, you know, here's some, some blood thinners, go home and uh, pick up your prescription in the morning. So I get one pill and I take it and, that was foolish but anyway went to sleep after i took the blood thinner woke up and i couldn't breathe the pain that i felt every breath was like you know kind of similar to when you throw out maybe uh you get a pinched nerve in your back right but then it kept constricting more and more and more and basically what happened was i had a triple pulmonary embolism from the blood clot and my leg breaking up and getting stuck in my lungs on the way to my heart um so got my wife got me to the emergency room because um she didn't want to wait for uh for an ambulance and when we got to the red room they said I had about five minutes left but they got me on O2 and they got me stabilized and I spent three days in the hospital and had a a very grateful oh, reawakening I guess or you're just like wow I almost bit the farm <laughs> Or a stupid knee surgery that's a laparoscopic surgery, you know, outpatient kind of thing. And uh, 
it really made me appreciate, you know, being here. And I'm like, okay, so what do I want to do with my life? What haven't I been doing for, you know, anyway, I hadn't made music. I had, I, I stopped singing live and I'd stopped writing and I, and basically I left music. Mm -hmm. Other than being a label guy that was very unfulfilling for me anymore. And I realized I needed to get, she just said, you know, you, you need to go down and you need to start writing songs. And I did. And I really had a good time with it. And the album is, uh, was sort of just sort of manifested itself out of that joy of purpose of doing it. And interestingly, after I'd finished all the demos for the album, I looked at it and I'm like, wow, okay, there seems to be a running theme going on here. What, what is this album about? And I realized it was about an album or um, my, I'd read a book called The Four Agreements <laughs> maybe two years before this, right? And it had changed my perspective so much on life that it came into my my lyric writing immensely so this album is pretty much my my acceptance of the four agreements and how it, it, it has affected my perspective i guess don miguel ruiz um, yeah i is an amazing that book yeah. is so amazing that toltec wisdom book isn't that amazing i um <clears throat> I've got a habit of buying multiple copies of that and giving it away. Yeah. We, we had given it to her youngest daughter um, to devour. Yeah, they're, they're great principles. Super simple to read and understand, too. It's written in such a great way that, you know, you can grasp these concepts so easily. Yeah, the Tol Toltec wisdom. <laughs> so, um I probably I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but I, I'm big on plant medicine, and um, I know that Don Miguel Ruiz and, and people like that down in you know Central America or whatnot are big on the same thing, mm -hmm. and I don't know who it was. I, it might have been Terrence McKenna um, who had mentioned. Uh, Graham Hancock had said something. He said, um, before any political person goes into office, they need to take six rounds of ayahuasca. <laughs> well, I have not taken an ayahuasca trip yet, so I, I can't speak from experience on that, but I think six rounds of it would be pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I've done it a few times and it's every single time it's life changing. So anybody that um, I encourage people to do it for sure. But I warn them that your life's going to change, period. Yeah, it's you can't help it. It's just it's part of the, the evolution of yourself. It's like it's like each ayahuasca ceremony is like doing 10 years of therapy. Hmm. You know, it's it really gets makes you look at yourself, really makes you. Yeah, really look at yourself and go, hey, asshole, you're the one that created all of this. And it's 
it's tough for the ego you know well yeah the ego is our main enemy anyway if you ask me <laughs> oh my goodness is that casey that's casey and callie that's casey and callie yeah. these are these are her of course this is audio so nobody can see this but cuties <laughs> her daughters it's that like yeah absolutely 13 years ago something. wonderful kids <laughs> I nice yeah she's she's blessed she she had all of her kids when she was young you know she still looks young yeah <laughs> she is young she's uh yeah her, I'm going backwards Lance she is. <laughs> there you, you know that's true in some capacity people people ask me so how is it that you don't age and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. but you know you eat good music and and eating well and staying fit and you know active and doing being the energy work doing the energy work yes. keeping your body charged up you know that's that's what it's about yeah. you'll have to come over and experience our reiki room we have a, a whole room dedicated to the practice yep awesome crystals all over incense and music my mom has one of those i i, I always sleep in a reiki room when i visit <laughs> she, does. she does yeah all the time yeah yeah she, she, it's an amazing place to sleep. <laughs> it's, and it's if she's not sleeping in there, it's funny. The animals go right in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They you jump know. up on a massage table and they sleep in there. They love it. Yeah. We've got uh, yep. a crystal bowl underneath, you know, a singing bowl. And nice. And it's, uh, yeah, the animals are just, they must They're drawn. just absorb the energy. They, they, they sure. feel it. Oh yeah, of course they feel it. I mean, my uh, my cat is super sensitive to it. He's always coming for for the juice. You know, he wants to be pet. He wants to he wants to feel that. And uh, yeah, it's cat, funny. cats are multi dimensional animals. Yeah, they it's um. I forget what the number is, but somebody told me this. Um, like we all have DMT, right? In our oh, the, you talked to one. That's right. Yeah, I talked to a cat. Yeah, in one of my ayahuasca ceremonies, um, they DMT fires off. It's it's something like seven times an hour in a cat. So if you ever notice a cat like staring at the wall, he's tripping. Like, like for real, they, they, they like seeing shapes. Yeah. They go into this. And so anyway, my, my first ayahuasca ceremony that I did, I'm, I'm, everything's moving. Like everything molecules are in every, I could sense molecules and everything moving around. And, um, a cat walked in to the room and just nonchalantly doing cat things. I looked at the cat and I remember talking to the cat. And I'm like, isn't this crazy? And the cat goes, what? This is, I see this all the time. <laughs> this is normal. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is normal for me. I'm like, wow. 
it's all in flux it's, it we just see flux. it as static we see it as static but it's all in flux yeah. yeah it's 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 to me it's it's trippy to even think that a rock that's not moving is sitting there solid it's it's got atoms just moving around in there you know it's like everything that we see everything that we have here on this plane this what this matrix whatever you want to call it is mostly space right yep and uh, and that which isn't is infused with energy which is sentient it's conscious even you know like the law of one information that talks about the, the levels of of consciousness um and uh what 1d is like rocks and earth and uh-huh. and uh and 2d is is more like plant life and animal life and then 3d is more human life uh, uh levels of consciousness and uh, and four five six is is more um along the lines of uh well, it's more energetic. It's less dense. We're kind of stuck in a 3D mm-hmm. under or physical body with with a higher consciousness um, attributes that we're receiving as more spiritual beings, but we're stuck within the confines of the surrounding. Um, space that we were born into i guess and so we we understand principles that are not necessarily happening as much as we know they can yes not yet right we're not quite we haven't evolved to the next you know level yet so we're still stuck here but um yeah it's interesting like I'm trying to remember this guy's name. He's got a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called The Love One, and he he breaks down. His name's Aaron, and he breaks down all of that and the channel information from that in really, really well done layman's terms because the, the information is super mm. complex. Yeah. Complex to yeah, yeah. It's super That's complex. The channeled kind of- information because it's supposedly coming from a social memory complex. Right. which is basically a, a, a spirit group, which is one, right. but of lots of, of, of spirits that are combined into a social memory complex or whatever. And on, of like a six, how, on a six dimensional level, right? right. <laughs> or they call them densities, I guess. Six okay. density level. And, uh, and the seventh density being God. First density being, you know, matter, kind of, yeah, interesting. Slower vibrating, right? Material, right? Yeah, that's all it is—is right. is vibration. Yeah, right, Which right. And it, it, it's and there's a huge, yeah, like the the evolution of consciousness through the first density takes millions of years to get to the second density, right? In, in a spiritual evolutionary sense and then hundreds of thousands of years through you know plant and animal life to becoming 
third density being, which we are, and then a third density being not so long before we move on. Right. Yeah, it's a, I, 75,000 years or something, I think it was, it was which was interesting. Oh, I think it's longer than that. I think cavemen were, you know, just working on survival, you know, pounding their spear. Well, they were, they, yeah, I mean, but they, they were, they were more or less animals. So more to survival, you know I mean? yeah. Survival right. was all that was on their mind, you know. <laughs> right. They were more or less still in a t- uh, second D kind of thing until who knows what happened with our DNA. Lots of hypothesis on that. Oh my god! They, you what, know, the of, stuff that of, we're hearing of right. alien, alien, you know, interaction. <laughs> Yeah. That, that brought us to 3D. I don't know. You, know? you start uh, studying Zachariah Sitchin and you, it, it takes you out and, you know, that we were just, um, if, if you go on that thought plane, that we were just slaves to mine gold for these people. Oh, yeah, along with the Anunnaki yeah. storyline. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's an interesting storyline. It is a, it is an interesting story, especially when you you take into consideration the root drive of so many of us being attracted to gold. Um, yeah. So it, speaking it, of that, because in Canada when we were up there, you know, we're up in the Rocky Mountains where you can strike a claim and mm-hmm. you can look for gold right and there were a lot of people that did that and we took our turn with it a little bit and some of the the local rivers we'd dredge and we you know pan and we'd and you know you get kind of addicted to it pretty fast even though you're just yeah the gold fever and really all you're finding is yeah flex Flex. little little teeny flex in the sand you know a lot of work for very little Right, you're separating it out with the the mercury, and you know it's crazy the the shit that you do for a little. But you know, so that all just though. Do you think maybe if if that storyline is valid or even conceivable that that's why our attraction? It's almost like built into our DNA. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It makes very. It makes a lot of sense as to you know why gold is our standard of uh, commerce I guess and and what well, was right and that everything is you know was based on that at some point um, and that you know till the tricksters found fiat money exactly till the tricksters figured out how to scam everybody yep. the international banking cartels figured out how to screw everybody and, and create interest and, what they say uh, our dollar is worth right now what what do they say our dollar is worth right now oh, a half a penny it, well, it's, 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 <laughs> it's not worth, even you could just print more <laughs> you just print more it's not worth that much it's not worth anything yeah it's it's a joke and it's constantly changing and it's it's I've never understood the concept unless you, again, unless you kind of believe in the thought patterns that we do and you go down the rabbit hole, um, why they would print just nothing. You know what I mean? It's out of thin air. They're just printing money. Yeah. It's, and 
Money is just a thought. Money is just an idea. It's a tool. I mean, I, I liken it to a tool, and I think it's a it's a useful tool of commerce and trade. It definitely makes trade easier than you know. Oh, I've got a pig. Uh, oh, I've got a chicken and a fork, and uh, uh, you know, uh, a shovel. You, you know, you're only based on you're only able to trade what you have, right? Mm-hmm. With money, it, it's it's transferable to anything it, it, you know it's a medium that we've all agreed on is is uh, a, a unit of trade that is universal for whatever so why couldn't that be cryptocurrency why couldn't that be digital money which is becoming you know what i mean just numbers on a freaking screen with a credit card and you're banking online and all that stuff it's just becoming a number Right, yeah. Which is kind of fear. It's kind of concerning because that's even more easily manipulated. Yeah, and if you own the if you own the screen, you own right. you own the rights to how much people get. Well, there was right. a, a what was it back in June, July? We saw that sign at Cub Supermarket. Oh yeah, no longer taking change. Yeah, because we're short on because because there's a shortage. There's a shortage yeah. of change. <laughs> a like, fictional shortage. I go what? <laughs> the fictional shortage. Well, you know, because a couple of people aren't spending their change, they're saving it. Bullshit. You're full of shit. You're creating something right. by telling people there's a shortage. You're creating a shortage, just like they did when they had the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac problem, right? They created a a massive exodus. Um, of you know, and and all they say, oh yeah, they ballooned everything. Well, no, the media created a frenzy, a fear frenzy, mm-hmm. which completely had the bottom fall out of all of right. those kinds of loans because everybody there was a mass exodus. Mm-hmm. I look at it as the push to plastic. Oh yeah, well that's been happening since the seventies. Oh yeah, but when <laughs> yeah. but when you put a sign up and say, "We can't make change," mm-hmm. so this this money that used to be a negotiable tool is no longer. You right. know, if you don't have the right bills, what do you got to do? Get yeah, this card out. Yeah, yeah. I started giving people crap every time they said that, right? Mm-hmm. And interestingly, they're not doing it anymore. They're taking yeah. change. Yeah, and weird. Yeah, and they're taking dollars again. And it's like, yeah, I just, what do you mean? There's a shortage. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Give me a freaking break. Well, that's what people are saying. No, it's bullshit. I've always, I've always <laughs> had a problem with um, things that they say are so because this is the. Uh, it was almost like written law. And when you notice how laws change, this is where my problem with religion came in years ago. It's, it's like, well, the Pope said, oh, now it's okay for gay marriage. And I have nothing against gay people at all. Actually, I, you know, my sister is. Yeah, we both have gay people in our family. And Love them. They're great people. Right. My point, though, is that, okay, Pope, I thought you said these people are damned to hell how who 
Who's well, not here? this pope. This pope says different. Right. So, but I thought it was a a, a, a universal dogma. Law. Is it really dogma? Is it really? You no. Know? So then you start Absolutely. going down the rabbit hole and saying, are other things that are written law, how flexible are they? I mean, we've got a this, you know, Governor Newsom. What we have to recognize, what we have to recognize is it's all flexible because it's all based on how we accept it or not. And if we reject it and we don't embrace it, it's not real anymore. And that's like this COVID thing. That's like this election thing. That's like all this stuff. Don't get caught up in it. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, be careful, be, be intentional. You know, I mean, if you're feeling shitty, stay home, Mm -hmm. you know, but you know, if you're concerned, wear a mask, if you're worried about making other people feel uncomfortable and that makes you uncomfortable, wear a mask, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I wear a mask inside whenever I go inside someplace, right? just because I know it makes other people comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's not about me at that point because it doesn't bother me. I'm not worried about picking up something from someone else. Right. I'm not worried about spreading it to someone else, but I understand other people are because of the mass programming that we've all been hit with over the course of the last nine months. Just pounded into us, yeah. right? Pounded into our subconscious minds which have a huge effect on our conscious mind because they're way more powerful processor. Uh, you know, I equate this to for people that are, aren't old enough to remember, but you and I and, and Kat remember this in 2001, you know, when 9-11 happened. Remember when, remember when TSA came out and yep. they said, well, it's just a temporary thing. Yep. Until we can control what's going on. So TSA has been. And it's gotten more invasive, more invasive. And and yeah, and they've got bomb sniffing devices and all kinds of strange things. And then they've got little powder and different things that they read your bags with these days. And it's yeah. I mean, how many people? I don't know. It's not going to change. We're here. We can accept it or we can say, screw it. And we'll, right. we'll live our lives the way we live our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to live it in fear. I certainly don't want to stop playing shows just because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I want to go out there and I want to perform and make music and, and entertain people and, and fill people with frequency. Right. I yep. want to, I want to fill people with, you know, uplifting music that's going to make them feel good and have them have a good time. And if they want to have a drink, yeah, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Have a drink. Unfortunately, with drinks come less inhibitions and less concerning about this, you know, mm-hmm. disease, which is really just a flu. It's just a variation of a flu that yes. unfortunately has some bad side effects on people's lungs. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Yeah, and as singers, we're uh, right. I, I remember when right. it first came out. I was like, "Oh, I got to protect my lungs." I mean, this is right. this is my livelihood. Right. 
Right. And so, I mean, even though I'm, I know that this has been politicized highly, mm-hmm. um, I'm still, when I'm playing at a venue that has a lot of people in it and they're close, I get a little nervous, you know, and it's because of the subconscious programming we've been hammered with constantly for however mm-hmm. long it's been. Mm-hmm. I get it. I understand it, but I can't control it. Right. But my conscious mind is saying, you don't have to fear it. You don't have to fear it, right? Uh, now I've made you have a, to respect it, but yeah. you don't have to fear it. I made a conscious decision not to wear a mask anymore. I'm done with it completely. Good for you. And um, Good for I, you. I got to yeah, tell you a little a story. Maya was going to go to the store, grocery store with my daughter, and she's like, Mom, you got to put it. I'm like, no, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm done with it. She was like, I'm, I won't go in. She goes, you're going to cause a scene. It's going to be hell. And she wouldn't go in with me. And I went in and people smiled at me and nobody said a word. And uh, people chatted with me in line and everybody was absolutely cool. And uh, because they were probably enjoying seeing a face that was smiling because now uh, there's there's no emotion. You can't look at somebody even because they can't read your face anymore. So it makes them uncomfortable if you look at them. Whereas before you can look at somebody and smile and trans have this nice, this nice connection for a moment as you're moving past without even saying a word, but you can't do that with these masks. It drives me crazy Mm -hmm. because it makes me more self-conscious. Because I like, I like to smile at everybody. Right. Yeah. Right. But it was cool. There was an allowing. I was allowed to do and be myself and do nice. what I do. And people, I, I allowed other people. I didn't, I didn't make, I didn't not make eye contact or not talk to them because they had a mask on and they were talking to me. I, it was, I, nice. I created what I, 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 I got what I expected. You manifested a good outcome. And I think that because that's your intention you was pure. Do. Yeah. Right. That's because your intention was pure. Yeah. I, 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 I applaud that and I highly respect that. And I will try and do it myself. I, you know, I'm, I'm with you on the try to do it myself um, because it does make me uncomfortable. And I think it's the empath in me that, right. You know, I, I'm afraid yeah. of what these people are going to say or think or, or feel you yes. know right you don't yes. want to create fear in other people no i don't but i'm but i but i maintain my six feet of distance have i have i really created there you go fear? there you go and really. that that is according to fauci is supposed to be enough right oh and the, and the and the who the, you know not the who who but you know the uh yeah. WHO, yeah, the WHO. said that masks are not necessary. This just is just it's a yeah. and and <laughs> and honestly, in a lot of ways, they're detrimental and uh, to to your lungs and, and your health and the bacteria and blah blah blah. Especially if those people that are wearing them all day long, working or you know, I I've I have got a lot of friends that um, are definitely mask wearers. And they definitely are afraid. And um, I try to appease them as much as I can. So I'm sure a lot of them listening to the show are going to be like, I knew it. Horrified. Horrified. You're a a right-wing zealot. No, 
I'm not. I'm actually I'm I'm a centrist for one thing. Yeah. But I but I think we we seem to throw it in those categories. Like yeah. If, if you're a left wing, you're a mask wearer. If you're a right wing, you're not a mask wearer. Right. Well, and that's crazy because there's plenty of conservative people that are going to be just as concerned about it mm-hmm. as, you know, liberals are. Right. And I mean, I find myself in the middle. I was brought up very liberally, but um, I have, you know, always had a entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm kind of a capitalist, too. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't have a religious fervor on either end of it to, I guess maybe spirituality does play a part in my liberal and my conservative aspects, actually. You know what I mean? It does. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of encompass a lot of things on both sides of it, but I think of myself as a libertarian in the middle. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, the point of that being that what you said it's not a political thing. It's it's an indoctrinational thing, I think, based on what the media has sold us. It's and, a yeah. it's a programmed response that is based on the constant fear machine churning out this malarkey that is bullshit. Nothing more than bullshit. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yes, there's a virus, but there's a lot of viruses. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And they're all still active. It's not like the flu just went away. Right. It's not like heart attacks are not happening anywhere. It's well, I not think, like I car think, crashes stopped happening. I think <laughs> if people, um, like I, Kat and I, we don't watch TV. You know, we, we don't, I, I haven't watched TV in years. I don't watch the news. I, I you know, I don't, I couldn't tell you who the broadcasters are anymore. I think the last broadcaster I remember was Ted Koppel. You know, <laughs> you know, it's just so long ago. Yeah. But there are people that are paralyzed by it because yeah. these I will not media watch has it. sensationalized it. I will not watch it. But even on social media, you can't get away from it, right? It's everywhere, right? Yeah. It's just everywhere. And uh, everybody that's streaming is talking about it and everybody, la, la, la. You can't escape it, it, right. it even if you're not watching mainstream news. Because um, I stopped watching mainstream news, you know, not very long, probably around 1999, you know? Mm-hmm ish um i i started doing martial arts on a regular basis and uh you started going i I thought i thought i thought i I, yeah i mean i I built up my energy and my chi and i oxygenated my cells and my brain and i and i started being more aware Mm -hmm. and i started seeing lies constantly everywhere and i'm like bullshit i'm buying into this crap this is nonsense you know and so i stopped watching and as soon as streaming was available i started streaming everything that i wanted to see you know as soon as you it's like like morpheus said you know as soon as you are out of the matrix you just can't not ever not see it again yeah you know? Yeah, I loved I love those movies. They're so well done in their their symbolism. Yeah, uh, and um, who who was I listening to recently? 
somebody that is not awake will look at those movies and go, wow, great cinematography, great, great story. But for those of us that are, we're like, whoa, because I, I, you know, I saw it. Right. We see it in many movies that, you know, Star Wars right. and whatnot. We see the right. symbolism of it. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. When I was, I don't know, 13 or 14, when the first Star Wars movie came out, oh, yeah. I had to see it six times in the theater. I was just like, that's awesome! Because <laughs> I, I, I got it on so many levels, you know? I had the record, you know. Even. Did you really? Oh, my God, yeah. That was... That was amazing yeah because it, the force yeah yeah we get we, it we yeah get it. it's energy yeah we get it. exactly yeah it was so it was such a great way to tell that story you know for those people out there that are totally invested in the covid thing and you know i just i i, I challenge them to really look at our history and see where We've been lied to repeatedly, and we still, we eat it every time. Well, and the ironic thing is, if you don't have children, you have no idea of how history has changed since you learned it, and what they're learning in comparison to what you were taught. Oh, so the school system is teaching your kids something. The school system is the indoctrination process, and it's changed dramatically. Yeah. It's changed dramatically, and what they're teaching people has changed dramatically, and the processes, and you know, math isn't concrete, and all these kinds of things. And you're like, what do you mean? Everything's an estimate? No, <laughs> no, I can come up with an absolute number. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, the, the processes that they teach people, it's completely different than they taught us. And so, is it right or is it wrong? Well, I don't I d- know. Yeah, I mean, I've- it's what I was programmed with is different than what they're being programmed with is, is the main point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. And whether, you know, math is relevant to anything other, other than commerce, well, math is a universal language. But that's I mean, exactly right. Everything is built on a number code. I mean, everything is mathematical, right? especially if you know anything about astrology or numerology and all that kind I do. of stuff, which is, which is somewhat of a subjective art, but it certainly has a lot of really interesting things that happen with it. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean? It works out. And why does it work out? Because it's got to be a universal language. Right. I mean, when we sent the disc up in space for the aliens back in the, when was that? In the 70s or 80s, somewhere around there? Where we made that like laser disc for uh, that we put up in one of our... One of the, the Voyager or something. Yeah, like one of our ships went out. Yeah. There, went out to space. It went out to Mars, and yeah, there was binary code written into it, you uh-huh. know, and that's math, right? You know, math is is not flexible. I don't think so. No, math is. But they're teaching it that way these days, and it's like no. Well, my daughter's 
Yeah, my daughters came out of school with a with a political ideology. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yes, and they it, did. And it was based on not tolerance and and kindness. It was right. Nasty. It was very judgy, very judgy. Horrible. Social social justice warriors, little social justice warriors, right? Oh yeah, and they yeah. You know, get they'd get after you, you if you and if anyone that didn't agree with it, you know, they were just. I was yeah. like, what is this? Where yeah, did this come from. I oh, had to reeducate. I had to reeducate my children every day. Every day. Yeah, and, every and the day. teachers, the teachers there were the instigators because the teachers were able to, for my girls, were able to come into the classroom and integrate their political beliefs into the lessons. That was yes. part of the lessons. That yeah, and, and, and out that is why during like, this what? whole COVID, that's why during this whole COVID thing, they don't want parents tuning in to the lessons mm. because that they are projecting all kinds of nonsense into yes. the minds of our children, and that's not okay. Mm. That's that's that's. That's all part of my reprogram kind of concept on my album. You know, I mean, we have to reprogram ourselves based on the bullshit that we've been programmed with over our lifetimes from, from you know, the media or, well, even our parents. You know, well, we then, take out a lot of our parents' stuff mm -hmm. um, and some of it's good and some of it's bleh, not good. Uh, religion, politics, freaking... Um, you name it right just movies even you know i mean not every movie can give you a message like star wars or the matrix right. they're giving you all kinds of garbage right. you know how many times do i hear about global warming and freaking you know climate change and all that so yeah yeah climate change is real it's always happened right duh right. you know what i mean it's not like humanity has a huge ability to I mean the the sun mm -hmm. is our primary factor of climate change and our relationship to it with the pitch and yaw of the earth which they call precession and the angle at which we you know it, it changes over time as a twist and that's what climate change is 99.99999 infinitely yeah, humanity based on yeah, humanity based on will destroy ourselves before the planet does. Yeah, you no, know? absolutely. I mean, look uh, at know, what it, you remember absolutely. in the Matrix that what Mr. Smith said to said to we're him, a plague. Yeah, he said <laughs> you you're a virus. You're a virus. Yeah. Or you most humanity most simulates a virus. <laughs> yeah, and. When we get polarized like this, we are. You know, yeah. um, we've mentioned this many times on the show, and that's the movie, The Social Dilemma. Yeah, which I yeah. think is is it's a great show. Everybody should watch. Yes, I believe so. It's 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 enlightening to see um, that the algorithms now the algorithms were finding out where they said that the algorithms don't know good from bad or right or wrong or anything like that. They just, their idea is to keep you online. We're finding out now that the algorithms actually were skewed. They were what? They're, they were skewed. Skewed to do what? 
to program your interests? Yes. Okay. So originally the idea, I remember when this started happening with Google, where they wanted to change the way that search engines worked mm -hmm. and, uh, and the way that the Google data and everything was collected. And the intention was that it would bring you more of what you were interested in seeing and it would be more intuitive along that lines. And that is what the basic premise of the algorithm was in the beginning, was to, to uh, tune in on your interests specifically, right? What happened and what some were concerned about happening in the beginning was that it created everybody's own little freaking bubble and we became so polarized by our bubble that we didn't see the greater spectrum of information anymore. We, we've directed to only certain things and then they stopped having it be like that and they started censoring what you could find mm -hmm. and they started blocking certain information that you can't find anymore and they started you know and and now it's blatant censorship on youtube and google and facebook and twitter and all these things blatant censorship and if they don't censor it they fact check it oh <laughs> and yeah and we know that all the fact checkers are legit right no the fact checkers are full <laughs> of shit they're all full of shit it's crazy how yeah. full of shit they are well what do they say they say always just follow the money and so look into who is who's and it's who's, all political it's all political and i don't know i get i'm getting on a tangent nope that's okay that's okay <laughs> um We'll, we'll stop you on that tangent right now because Kat wants to hear another song. Okay. Well, let's see. On that tangent, let's see. Uh, I'm sure I've got a song that fits the tangent. <laughs> um, yeah. We could go with Chaotica fits the tangent of the day. I like it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it fits the tangent of the day or spell of domestication, which you may not have because that was a that was a bonus track. I like Chaotica. I like All Chaotica. Right. Uh, that's kind of what Metallica is now. Look, <laughs> <laughs> Chaotica.
right, you're back with... Dave and Kat on Rock the Talk, and we're talking to Lance King. You just heard three songs, Chaotica, Limitless, and Pointing Fingers. All great. I mean, we're trying to figure out what songs we want to play, and they're all fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. tough choice. Well, uh, you know what? Let's wrap this up with uh, Lance, and uh, yeah, we'll chat a little bit afterwards. Yeah, I'd love to have him on again. Yes, 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 yes. So, uh, we got about 10 minutes left here, um, and just want to get you know some words of wisdom for people out there i mean you've been giving a lot of you've been dropping a lot of wisdom which is really cool and um but if there's one message out there like it's your last message that you could transmit to the world wow you know yeah well i think the most important thing given that the circumstances that we're living through right now is not to get caught up in it if you can and to remain more of an observer um, and not let it emotionally fuck you up because so many people are uh, being heavily heavily emotionally affected by this COVID thing you know a lot of people uh, are super energetically unbalanced and you know and not able to get to reiki masters like yourself or or understand the idea and concept of the energy system of their bodies and so they're falling into depression and they're killing their spouses and they're getting sick and you know they're all kinds of really negative happenings are coming out of this that are not directly related to COVID, but are directly related to the stresses and the fears and the emotional upheaval of people's lives being changed so much by what's been happening um, with their their concerns about work and money and, and family and responsibilities and, you know, and maybe a business going bad or, or, uh, just not being able to maybe you know pay their rent or their their mortgage or or their car payment or whatever it is it's all mounting stuff that's yucky feeling and to try to remain an observer and not emotionally reactive to what's going on and allow it just to pass and just realize that it's 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 like a big play happening it's like a big world play happening and everything is going to change and this month is going to be a hellacious month mm-hmm. from what i understand it's all coming to a head by the 21st mm-hmm. now that sounds like i'm trying to be a prophet it's really about you know what's going on in the universal numbers you know what i mean and, and the way everything's playing out on an on a energetic field within the whole universe really and, and celestial bodies at play and all kinds of stuff are coming into the massive energy changes that we're experiencing and so this is a massive growth phase for people either they're going to step up they're gonna um, come through the other side in a, in a much more positive place, or they're gonna be crushed under the weight and they're gonna be held back. I guess it, it, we're, we're able to spiritually evolve here or not, 
and it's up to、mm. them to make the decision as to if they can do that or not. And, and if they haven't had enough, I mean, the last nine months has been pretty intense. I think for a lot of people, and it's it's really upped everybody's evolutionary game. You know what I mean? I think everybody's been dealt a lot of stuff to deal with, right? And it's given them all the opportunity to grow considerably. And if they're not, they still have some time to grow. <laughs> it's time. Got like twenty days. Yeah, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> Step up now, <laughs> Lance. Where can people find you? Um. Well, um, I guess I'm I'm available on the net at lancekingmusic.com.、Um, my socials are act、uh, findable through that website. Um, NightmareRecords.com is my label, so you can check that out. And yes, it was prophetic about all the shit that we're going through. I always knew something was coming, so I called it Nightmare Records.、Perfect. And next year, I may just change the name to Daydream Records because it's time to let that nightmare go. Well, like that. Thank you very much for being with us. Yes, thank it's you. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, guys.、Uh, it's it's always great to talk to people that get you. <laughs> and I like your shirt. Coming <laughs>、yeah. for everyone. He's got a shirt. It says, "Whatever makes you weird is probably your greatest asset." <laughs> yeah,、exactly. I like that. <laughs> That's a great shirt. I've been staring at it the whole time. So, wow. <laughs> That is a great. That's an epiphany. But,、uh, <laughs> so thank you, Lance. Thank you, Lance. Thanks, guys. It was really a pleasure. Have a good night. That was an awesome interview.、Um, I hate calling them interviews because it really wasn't an interview. It was, no, it's it was more a, interactive than an interview. Yeah, you know, an interview was, is to peppering them with questions, but this was totally just free flow conversation. Really, what I love about doing radio. Is that all the people that I get to meet, and、um, virtually or in person, and it's、mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's always really cool to meet somebody you really vibe with. And、um, I found throughout this whole conversation, it's like it's like、uh, I'm talking to somebody who's you know just like me, who completely gets me, you know. Yeah, I was listening. I was like, "This is like, what is that called? Six degrees from Kevin Bacon." <laughs> Six degrees from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Because、right. you guys were like back and forth. You're like, "Yeah, you know," and I played with this person, and then they were playing with me before that, and it was like, "Wow,、yeah. connections." You know, it's、uh, yeah, the connections are great, and、uh, it's、uh, so you know we've had a, a great show. We're、um, We're on a roll here. I mean,、yeah. I don't know what we have coming up next week yet. No, I, but we've got a. Two wonderful people lined up. Yeah, I know.、Um, we've got a young girl.、Um, her name's Storm, and we want to get her on the air. We we did、uh, we did a talk with her what a month ago? Yeah, short interview, <clears throat> but、um, very very interesting. Love her cause. Yeah, the rhinoceroses, right? Yeah, that, save yeah. the rhinoceroses. Save the rhinoceroses. So, Storm, if you're listening, you know we're we're gonna get you on soon. Promise. We've you know we've got、uh, we've been fortunate to get a lot of people. Come to us and say, "Hey, you know, I, I, I'd love to, you know, be on your show and talk to you guys and 
So we've, we've been blessed in that. Now it's finding the organization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not very organized. Getting it all done and getting everyone on. and But yeah, it's nice to have a lot of options and we've got got a lot of options and it's great we do we do um i'm trying to think of you know what to say right now you know it's been it's been such a weird year um and we're in december now Mm -hmm. you know um i don't know how many of you folks out there know about you know what's going on Energetically in our world, you know, we're, we're, you know, Kat and I are more of the, on the metaphysical basis. And, um, there's a lot going on energetically and a lot of changes that are coming up in our world. Um, you know, they, I've heard, I've, I've heard all kinds of different theories and rumors or whatnot, but, you know, what I feel inside of myself is that, um, you know, December 21st is actually the 2012 one, you know? I mean, when did we, when did we, um, we talked about that, I think, didn't we? That the, the calendar actually changed in the, was it the 1500s, 1600s? Yeah, they changed the calendar. They uh, eliminated a month. So if mm-hmm. you add that month back in, you know, the Mayan calendar ended, they, you in know, they said 2012. But so if you added, ago. yeah, you add a month back in. Over thousands of years. And you're looking, maybe, maybe you're looking at... December of 2020, you know, and, right. you know, and ending isn't really an ending. No ending is really an ending. It's just an opportunity to start something new. And so, you know, I, I try to stay on the positive side. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just the beginning of something actually really new. And anyone that works in nursing or uh, police officers, they know that there is an absolute truth to the lunar cycles and mm-hmm human behavior so well, you're like, you're a cop yeah and so, so you, you know. know that you know that behavior changes and there are actual there is a real interaction between uh what's happening in our atmosphere and what's mm-hmm. happening on earth i mean it's real well I, i'm trying to think back to 2012 i remember um 2012 i think it was november 2012 that's when i went and met with peter that you met um and we hiked bell rock Oh, sure. And that was the first time I did it was right before. I think I did it on the, <clears throat> on the winter solstice. So right right around there. And um, everyone was talking that that was going to be like a big. <laughs> but you know what? 2012, yeah. <clears throat> 2000, every year is a, is a new change for me. I, I'm constant. Everything's changing all the time. So back in 2012, I was thinking, could this be it? I didn't feel it like I have felt in 2020 because 2020 has been worldwide. I mean, there's no doubt about it that 2020 is going to go down to history. You know, I had a, a friend of mine recently made a logo for his guitar shop. And it says, it's I forget what the guitar shop is. He lives on Cape Cod. And the logo looked nice. <clears throat> it said established 2020. And somebody said, you might, you might want to change that. Because <laughs> nobody wants to remember 2020. I think right now we're saying we don't. But I think as time goes on, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reveal itself to be a most interesting year where a lot of people experience right. a lot of ups and downs. Well, we've, and, we've talked about it, too. Yeah. That, um, I mean, for me... 2020 has been the best year of my life. I mean, yes, there's it's been rugged and I've had some, you know, major epiphanies and 
battles. I mean, you and I, we've had Both. battles. Yeah, and I've just, had my own, yeah, ups and, so and downs. It, it's, uh, you know, I think of, of where I was in the beginning of 2020 to I where know. I am now. It's amazing, isn't it? I think about it myself, too, and that, I mean... Tons of changes in my own thinking and mm-hmm. what I, yeah, just moving into what I know as opposed to just what I can see, smell, taste, and what other people say. That's that's a huge change for me. I know, I don't know what your biggest change is, but you know, I've just moved into a different way of seeing things in a mindset. Hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, it's just been, I, I, I could, I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to start. I think it's um, being in alignment, you know, with my truth and getting ready <clears throat> for the next year. I, I think 2021, 2022, hopefully is going to kind of turn us around. Oh, I think it's going to be an amazing year. Let's wrap this up. I'm going to uh, end the show with the song that I did with Rage of Angels and we will see you all next week. Yeah, absolutely. See ya.